please turn with me to John chapter 14 in your Bible as I've turned there in mine. And we are continuing this message series entitled Paint the Town. As you can see from the, uh, the screenshot behind me, the idea is the wordless book. And if you've never heard of the wordless book, the wordless book is a witnessing tool that Christians have really used through the centuries and taking certain colors and applying a deep theological meaning to these colors, we were able to share our faith with those who need to hear about Christ. And so a few weeks ago, we started and we talked about the, the color black and how the Bible talks about our sin uh, being very dark and how each one of us is plagued with this idea of sin for all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. Last week, we looked at the red, and the red, of course, is the picture of the blood of Christ and how the blood of Christ covers over our sin and then makes us white, makes us spotless. The, the blood of Jesus covers over our sin and makes us spotless. Now, we're going to move to the gold and talk about the promise and the gift of heaven, that once you realize the fact that you're a sinner, the blood of Jesus covers over your sin, you repent and turn from your sin, God makes us clean, God makes us new, we are called his children, and now that we are his children, we are given this wonderful promise of heaven. Please stand in the honor of reading God's word, John chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. But Thomas, one of the twelve, said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, we thank you for this word, and God, as we speak today from heaven, as we've been singing about heaven, and now as we speak about heaven, Father, open our hearts and open our minds to the things that you would have us to learn today. We ask this in Christ's name, and all of God's people said, please be seated. The first thing I want us to see this morning about heaven is the reality of heaven. The reality of heaven. Heaven is real. Heaven is not a fairy tale land. Heaven is not a pie in the sky. Heaven is very real. And some don't want to talk about heaven. You don't want to think about it because you're worried or you're scared. Listen, heaven is not something to be worried about. Heaven is not something to be scared about, not at all. I remember growing up and hearing preachers talk about heaven and, and talking about the rapture and talking about revelation, and it scared me. I mean, I wanted to live my life. I wanted to grow old, and I wanted to have kids and see my grandkids one day. But as I've studied God's word, and, and the more I live in this old fallen world, the more my heart yearns for heaven. Jesus opened up this teaching, and he said something very curious. He didn't start with heaven, but he started with where the people were. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Why would the disciples of Jesus, why would their hearts be troubled? When Jesus is talking about heaven and he's talking about going away from them, if you read the last part of John 13, he's, he's talking about having to go away from them. Why would that trouble the disciples? What's so troubling about heaven? Well, you see, people are troubled about heaven when we begin to think about eternity. Let me make a point here that we have to understand. God is eternal. That means that God has no beginning and no end. God has always been and God will always be. Everything else, everything else was created. Everything else has a birthday. 
Every rock has a birthday. Every human has a birthday. Every, every tree has a birthday. There was a time when it was not. But God is eternal. God has always been, he always is, and he always will be. You said, oh, wait a minute. I thought Jesus was born at Christmas time, so Jesus has a birthday. Well, Jesus was eternal before he was born here on this earth. Jesus has always been. While that was the moment that heaven met earth and, and God became a man, Jesus has always been with God. I draw your attention to John chapter 1. John writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus has always been. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God manifested in three persons, co-eternal, co-equal, and God has always been. But that was something we must understand, that we are not like God. We've not always been. You and I have a birth date, a day that we were born into this world. And you and I will have a death date, a day that our bodies will die. But hear me very clearly. Though our bodies die, we will live forever. Though these bodies will stop working, we are created for eternity. Our bodies will return back to the dust of the ground, but who we are, who we really are, our, our soul and our spirit will live forever. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.1, he said, if our earthly home, he's talking about the body, if our earthly home, our tent, if, if it's destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with human hands, eternal in the heavens. The soul and the spirit, what, what is death? What is death? Well, death is, is, is when the soul and the spirit separate from the body. The soul, the mind. We, we, we get our word psychology. The Greek word for soul is psyche. We get our word psychology, the study of the mind from it. The soul, every one of us has a soul. We have a mind. We, we think. If you step on our feet, it hurts. If you say something rude to us, it hurts. If you, if you say something funny, we laugh. We have a soul. We have a mind. But we also have a spirit. That which communes with God. That which connects with God. And that's the true essence of who we are. And, and while these bodies, while these bodies will die, we are created for eternity. Our soul and our spirit will live forever and ever and ever and ever. So what is it that troubles us when we start thinking about the reality of heaven? You say, well, it really bothers me, Pastor, that when... When you talk about heaven, you talk about the afterlife, it really bothers me. Listen, you're in good company because it bothered the disciples as well. But why is it that it may bother us? Why is it that when we speak on this subject, it can bother us? Well, often, often there's a fear in dying when we don't know where we're going. Oftentimes there may be a fear in dying when you don't know where you're going. But dear friend, Jesus has taken the fear out of death. He has conquered the grave, he has conquered hell, he has conquered the grave, so there needs to be no fear in our eternal future. John writes in Revelation chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, Jesus said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives, who was dead, but now is alive forevermore. We just celebrated a few weeks ago on Easter Sunday, the great resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, and we said that our Savior is not dead, he is alive. And because we don't have a dead Savior, we have a living Savior, we, because of that, we have a living hope. 
this promise from him, this promise of heaven. Heaven is not a place to fear. Heaven is a place to long for. Now, there are some people who have misconceptions about the reality of heaven. Some people, and, and this is a growing theology in the church today, it's called annihilationism. P- people believe that once you die, you just cease to exist. Like all, all you have is this life, and so you need to live this life to the fullest because once this life is over, you're done, you're annihilated, poof, you're gone. You say, I- is that true? Well, no, that's not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that God has set eternity in our hearts. Listen, we are created for eternity. While we have a birth date, not one of us have an end date. Our soul and our spirit are created for eternity, forever and ever and ever. That's our real self. Some people teach that our that when we die, we go to a holding tank, this this concept of purgatory. That's not biblical either. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That, that when you, as a believer, when you die in Christ, there is no holding tank, there is no praying you out of purgatory. That once you leave this life, you step into the afterlife. What did Jesus say to that thief on the cross? Did Jesus say, tomorrow you'll be with me in paradise, next week you'll be with me in paradise, next year you'll be with me? No, what did Jesus say? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. What was one of the last words that Jesus spoke on that cross? We looked at it on Good Friday, the seven last words of Jesus on that cross. Jesus said, one of the last words he said, he spoke as he was hanging there on the cross, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It seems as if Jesus knew where he was going when his body stopped living what about Stephen what about Stephen the first martyr that we find in the book of Acts and and the Bible says that the Pharisees threw him into the pit Saul who became Paul was there and was overseeing it and here was Stephen in the pit and as the Pharisees picked up the rocks to stone him because he loved Jesus and would not deny the name of Jesus the Bible says that Stephen looked up into the sky and it says that he saw Jesus and he said Lord Jesus receive my spirit It's the reality of heaven. Guys, heaven is real. Now, there's a lot of of movies and a lot of books out there that that are going way, way, way far out there. But the Bible does speak of the reality, the truthfulness of heaven. Number two, let's see the beauty of heaven. Jesus speaks of the language here in John 14. He says that there's many mansions, many rooms. He speaks of construction and building what does heaven look like? What are we going to do in heaven? You know, when, growing up, I used to think that heaven was a place that when you, when you go to heaven, you, you become like a baby and you have this little white toga and you're sitting on a cloud and you're playing a harp and you're just kind of floating around playing a harp all day. And that might have been why I didn't want to go to heaven because I, I, I just don't want to sit on the cloud wearing a toga. You all don't want to see that either, I promise you. That, that, but listen, that's not at all what heaven is about. That's not at all what heaven, heaven, I, I used to think heaven was going to be boring. Heaven is the last thing from boring. When we stop and think about the beauty of heaven, the longer I live, the more I long to see heaven. You ask, Pastor, will we know each other? When, when we get to heaven, will we know each other when we get to heaven? Again, that's the beauty of heaven. 
you're going to know more there than you have ever thought about knowing here. The Bible says, Jesus is speaking about heaven in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, and he's speaking about heaven. He says, they're going to come from the east and the west. They're they're going to come from all around heaven. And he said, uh, I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, if we're going to know who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is in heaven, then I'm going to know who you are in heaven, and you're going to know me. We're going to know each other in the most full sense that possible. There's going to be a, a, a beautiful reunion in heaven. But there's more. Yes, we're going to know each other, but I want you to look over. Turn over in your Bible to Revelation chapter 21. As we think about heaven, and and I want you to get out of your mind the little baby on the cloud with a harp. That's not the picture of heaven. But the Bible does give us a very clear picture of, of the beauty of heaven. It tells us exactly what's going to be there in heaven. Revelation chapter 21. Look at verse 1. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Verse 5, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. What is heaven? Well, let me give you several things about what we find about heaven here. Number one, heaven is a place where there's no sorrow, there's no crying. Heaven is a place where there's no sorrow, there's no crying. There's no disappointments in heaven. There's no divorces. There are no funerals. There's no more losing a loved one to death when we get to heaven. There's no more heartache. In fact, uh, he wipes away every tear from our eyes. When we step into heaven, there is no crying. There is no sorrow. Number two, there is no pain. Can I tell you that heaven has no handicapped parking places? Heaven has no hospitals, no pharmacies. You're not going to find a Walgreens or a CVS pharmacy in heaven. Now, Walgreens may be there, but they're just going to be selling birthday cards or something like that. Uh, They're they're not going to be selling any prescription drugs because there are no prescriptions to fill. I can't wait to get to heaven. When you go to see a doctor in heaven, and, and we know that there's going to be doctors in heaven. Dr. Wally's going to be in heaven. He's a Christian. He's going to be in heaven. But when you go and see a doctor in heaven, and he walks out of the room and says, I'll be right back, you don't have to wonder if he's going to come back and give you bad news. It's always going to be good news. He's going to say, your blood pressure is perfect. Everything is good. No cancer. There's no dementia. There's no arthritis. No heart disease. No heart attacks. Heaven is going to be a place where there's no pain. Heaven's a place where everything is new. That's verse 5 of Revelation 21. He said, behold, I, I saw the one who's sitting on the throne. He said, he makes all things new. You know what you're not going to say in heaven? Hey, honey, go get my 20-year-old socks. You know the ones with the hole in them? You're not going to have 20-year-old socks in heaven because it says everything is going to be brand new. You're never going to have old socks. You know, you know your favorite blue jeans that fit you just perfect? You've got that one pair, and you, and you tell your wife, don't put them in the dryer because I don't want them to shrink. You know what I'm saying? In heaven, you're going to have like a million pairs just like that, and they're going to be brand new. Brand new. 
In heaven, you're going to walk out of your house, out of your mansion, and you're going to have a brand new car every single day. I'm serious. If there's cars in heaven, you're going to get a new one every day. How cool is that? You say, well, how am I going to pay for that new car? The, the roads are built out of gold. Just go break off a piece of asphalt and buy you a new Ferrari. Heaven is a place where all things are new. You know a little baby, when you hold a newborn baby in your arms, I always, I always smell the head. Don't you? Just the smell of a newborn baby. I, I think that's what heaven's going to smell like. It's going to be all brand new. Nothing old, nothing getting hurt, no pain, no sickness, everything is new. It's a place where we're going to worship. If you read down in Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 22. John said, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a place where we worship. It's a, place where, it's a place with no sorrow, it's a place with no pain, it's a place with no crying, it's a place where everything's new, it's a place, it's a place where we worship. How is God worshipped? Well, in the Bible, in Revelation, it tells us that in heaven, God is worshipped continuously. Now, the best worship service, I've been a part of some really amazing worship services here on earth, but none of them, they all pale in comparison to the worship services that we will have in heaven. Now, I think it's very important that we define worship. Many people have this, 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 this wrong mentality, a misconception about what worship is. Worship is not just singing. Actually, every act that we do should be an act of worship. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we are to pray without ceasing, that we are to pray without stopping. You say, now wait a minute, Pastor, come again. How exactly am I supposed to constantly pray and pray with never stop praying? How am I supposed to do that? Paul's point is that we are to live our life so dependent upon prayer that our prayer life is just like breathing. Every act should be an act of worship to God. Did you catch that? Every act should be an act of worship to God. Do you realize that you worship? You worship. Every human being worships. I don't care if you call yourself an atheist, a Buddhist. I don't care what you call yourself. Every single human being worships. We are created to worship. Now, you may not worship God. You may worship things, but you do worship. What is worship? Worship is ascribing worth to something that you see more important than what you are. That's worship. Some of us, we worship people. Some of us worship things like money or cars or, or jobs or careers. Some of, us, some of us worship false gods. Some of us worship ourselves. Selfishness. You know what selfishness is? Selfishness is the worship of self. But God says that we are to worship him. We are to give worth to him. And when we use our language and we use our abilities and our actions, our words, our resources, our, our money, our time, and we're not selfish over it, 
But when we take these things and we ascribe them to God, that's worship. We take words through prayer. We take words through song. Right now, this is an act of worship. The, the, the preaching of God's word is an act of worship. We bow our faces in reverence to God. That's worship. Understand that God doesn't need it, though. God doesn't need our worship. But when we do it, God leans over the heavens and he pours out his blessings upon us. We don't have time to go there, but remember, you recall in the book of Genesis, and we find this man by the name of Jacob, and he has a dream, and he sees a stairway to heaven, a ladder to heaven. You know, the old song talks about uh, Jacob climbing Jacob's ladder. Get that out of your mind. That's, Jacob never climbed a ladder. But he saw a vision, and he saw a ladder. It was very similar in the Hebrew to a staircase, the word staircase. And what did he see coming down that staircase and going up that staircase? Well, in his dream, he saw angels, right? Angels going up that staircase and angels coming down that staircase. You know what that's a picture of? It's a picture of the angels taking our prayers up to God and then the angels turning around, coming down the staircase, bringing the blessings of God to the people. Think about this. In the temple, even in the tabernacle, what was in the holy place? One of the, one of the most visual signs that was there in the temple when you came to Jerusalem to worship, there was filling the air on Mount, uh, Mount Moriah right there where the temple stood. There, there was always a haze. There was always a smoke. There was always incense that was being burnt. And the incense was a picture of the prayers of God's people going up into the heavens. God doesn't need our worship but he receives our worship. God doesn't have to have our worship, but he receives it. And when he receives our worship, then he turns around and he brings blessings upon us. The worship of God. I've heard people say, well, pastor, you know, I, I've had a hard life and a lot of bad things have happened to me. When I get to heaven, I, I've got a bone to pick with God. I, I'm gonna get to heaven, I'm gonna say, God, why in the world did you let my son die? God, why, why, did you, why did you let my wife die? That's not the way it was supposed to be. Don't you realize how hard that was? God, don't, don't you realize how, how devastating that was to me? Listen, you're not gonna say any such thing because when you step into heaven, you see the glory of God, you're going to do what those elders did in Revelation chapter four. You're going to fall at the feet of Jesus, remove your crown, place it at his feet because he alone is worthy. You're not going to remember, you're not going to think about, you're not going to feel the, the, the pain and the agony and the hurt of this life. Why, why is that? Because in heaven, sin no longer has a hold on you. Sin no longer has a hold on you. Death, can I tell where did death come from? Where did pain come from? Where did sorrow come from? Go back in your Bible to Genesis chapter 3 and read about the fall of man. That's where it came from. Every sin, every hurt, every pain, every death, it all comes as a result of sin. Maybe not your sin, but ultimately it's the cause of sin. And when you step into heaven, the last thing you're going to be concerned about is what happened here on earth. Because of heaven... Because of it, we can ascribe worth to God. Now, finally, let me speak to you about the way to heaven. 
Jesus is speaking and he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will return again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. John 14 tells us, though, that Thomas, one of the twelve, said, God, or he said, Jesus, I don't know where you're going. How in the world can I know where you're going? And Jesus said, oh, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's a very powerful statement right there that Jesus spoke. Jesus basically just laid the gauntlet down. He said, you cannot get to heaven any other way but through me and me alone. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he talks about uh, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And he said, many enter through that, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What these texts scream to me is, 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 is the way to heaven, but it also tells us that, that the reality, not only is there a heaven, but there's also a hell. And the unfortunate thing is that many people are on their way, not to heaven, but to hell. God's desire for all of us is to be saved. Jesus died for the sins of all men. And my prayer, my wish, and my desire is that every single person that is here watching, uh, whether you're watching online or you're here in, in the sanctuary, that every single person will be able to say without a shadow of a doubt that if I were to die today, if my body were to, to stop working, my heart stops beating, my mind stops functioning, my soul and my spirit, which will separate, remember that's death, when, when the soul and the spirit separate from the body, when death occurs, if that happened today, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I would go to heaven. That's my prayer for you. That's my desire for you. There are two decisions that I'm calling every single person to here this morning. I want you to consider these things. Number one, if you're not saved, you need to be saved. And I'm going to share with you how you can be saved in just a moment. Number two, that if, if you are saved, then you need to share the gospel of, of heaven, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ. With those you come in contact with. I need to tell you what happened, a personal story that happened to us uh, this past weekend. On Friday, Sarah took Abigail, our little five-year-old, she was, she's in kindergarten, and took her on a field trip uh, with a school up to the zoo up in Sanford. And so uh, I was playing uh, uh, father-dad to Eli, and, and I was watching Elijah there at, at home, and he had his nap, and he woke up from his nap, and, and I made him lunch. And what I, I made him a quesadilla, and, and it, was, it was going to be the best quesadilla. And, and I, I got it off the oven, and I cut it up for him, and, and just in the right bites for him. And I, I put it on his little tray, and, and I made me a quesadilla, and I was sitting down, and I was about to eat. I love talking about food, especially when I'm hungry. I, I just can go on and on. I'm hungry right now. And I just sat down to eat my quesadilla, and I heard something outside. It sounded like 4th of July. I thought, wow, that's weird. Here we are in April, and people are shooting fire in the middle of the day? Seriously? So I, I, I get up out of my seat, and I go into Elijah's room. I look through the blinds and didn't expect to see what I saw. My neighbor's car, which was just about five feet from my house, was on fire. That's not what I said. <laughs> I, I, whoa! I ran, I grabbed Eli. I got him out of the seat, grabbed Eli, and got my phone, and ran outside, and 
calling 911. I, I get out there, and there's 20 people lined up right out on the other side of the street. And you know what some of them were doing? Taking selfies of themselves with the fire in the background. I'm not kidding. I said, joke on 911? No, we're too busy taking selfies of the fire. Seven minutes later, the fire trucks get there, and by the time the fire trucks get there, the fire that was just a, a small fire is now 20 feet up in the air, and it's now on the roof of my house. The firemen get the fire out, and I start walking through the house of the firemen to let him up in the attic to, to see if there's fire burning up in the attic. You know what we found? That that fire that was burning 20 feet up in the air, we saw it on the roof of our house, and, and there's external damage. Our, 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 there's a lot of external damage. In fact, the, the fire got so hot, it melted two of our windows. I didn't know windows could melt. I thought glass just broke, but it, the, the fireman said that fire got so hot that it literally melted your windows. But when we walked into that house, there was not any smoke damage. And the only thing, the only thing that fire touched inside the house, I've got a picture right here to show you. You see that? That's blinds. That's the only thing that that fire touched inside that house. As I walked that fireman through the house, he said, when we got here, we knew this, this house was gone. This house was, we got here and that fire was up on the house. You can go by our house and see the burn marks on the roof of our house. The shingles are singed. The fire was pushing against our house. And he said, this is the only damage? He said, I don't know who you are, but you must have a pretty big God. I said, I said, I do. And let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about him. I've used this opportunity because I, I truly believe that the hand of God and his angels protected our house. So that's the only damage that happened on the inside. Now we have some damage on the outside we've got to get fixed, but all that can be replaced. I've taken this opportunity now to witness to several people. I'll be doing it again this afternoon when an adjuster comes. I'll be doing it again tomorrow morning when an adjuster comes. Because they're going to say the same thing that that fireman said, that, that all these other people have said. I've been able to use this as an opportunity to witness to neighbors, and I share with them. They say, how in the world did this happen? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, I've got selfie videos of the fire jumping on my house, and, 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 and that's all there is? I said, yeah, let, let me... Let me tell you something that I learned from Bobby Welch many years ago, the former pastor of First Baptist Church out in Daytona Beach. I learned from him, and an acrostic is the word faith, F-A-I-T-H. You can take this word faith, and you can share your faith. And this is how I share my faith with these individuals. I said, it's all about faith. You want to know how to know my big God? The only way to know my big God and to have a relationship with my God is through faith. F stands for forgiveness. Forgiveness. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that in Christ, in him or in Christ, there is redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. 
The A stands for available. That forgiveness is available. And it's available to everyone. God died, or Jesus died for the sins of all mankind. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That forgiveness is available, but the I stands for impossible. It's impossible for God to allow sin into his heaven. God is holy. God is just. God cannot look upon sin. And here's the problem. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So while God offers forgiveness and that forgiveness is available, it's impossible for God to allow sin into heaven. So what's our only hope? The T stands for turn. That means repent. Luke 13.3 says, unless we repent, unless we turn from our sins, we will perish. And when you turn from your sins, invite Christ into your life, you are given the promise of heaven. Heaven is real. And the Bible says, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you shall be saved and you have the promise of heaven. I've been sharing this with as many people that will listen. I share this with you today. The call, the decision, the time of response that we're going to have in just a moment is twofold. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you need to invite him into your life and you need to be saved today. Now, for those of us who know Christ, For those of us that are saved, are you sharing your faith? Are you really? You remember when I told you earlier in the story that when I ran out with my son and the fire was coming over on our house and I told you what 20 people were doing, taking selfies, you remember how you felt when I told you that? Like, I can't believe that. That this man's house is on fire and, and, and how selfish of them that they're taking selfies with that fire behind them. If you're a Christian and you don't share your faith, you are no different than those people that were taking selfies with my house that was burning behind me. There's no difference. Because you're just taking a picture. I've got mine. I'm good. Hey, it ain't my house. Somebody's burning. Somebody's house is about to go down. But I don't care about it. I'm good. I got mine. How selfish of us. How selfish of us. If we don't have the truth and we're not calling out and yelling to people, there's help, there's help, there's help, and his name is Jesus. Church, it's time to wake up. It's time to stop taking selfish selfies of ourselves and be able to share with those the hope that is in Jesus Christ because there is a world outside these walls that are dying and they're going to hell and they have no hope of heaven, but we've got it. We've got it. And let's take it and let's share it with those who need to hear it.